0: Entrepreneur on Fire Weekend Jam Session. Thank you so much for joining us for Entrepreneur on Fire's Weekend Jam Session with your host,
1: John Lee Dumas. Prepare to ignite.
0: All right, Fire Nation, I got something a little different for us today. I was interviewed by Rebecca Livermore, who has the podcast, the Professional Content Creation Podcast which actually doesn't air till January. She's currently building her platform, but she wanted to interview me as one of her first interviews. And I asked if I could share it with my audience and she said, absolutely. So here we go.
1: Welcome everyone. I'm Rebecca Livermore from professionalcontentcreation.com and I'm thrilled to have you join me today. Today, I'm super excited to welcome John Dumas to the show. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about John. John Dumas is an avid entrepreneur and has a daily podcast on his website, entrepreneuronfire.com. I first met John when he wanted to interview one of my clients, and at that time, I began listening to his podcast. John's podcast is unique in that it is the only five-day-a-week audio podcast that interviews today's most exciting entrepreneurs. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today to be on the show.
0: Rebecca, this is truly my pleasure. I mean, I'm normally the interviewer, so it's just great to be on the other side of the mic and be the interviewee for once.
1: Well, I know that you have learned a ton as a result of all of the interviews that you've done, and so I'm super excited to be able to talk to you because I'm just beginning my journey as someone who is interviewing people. And in fact, you're my third one. So I'm uh, just taking baby steps into it myself.
0: Well, I'm honored, Rebecca.
1: Yeah. Well, due to your focus on and your success with audio podcasts, I'm going to focus this interview on podcasting. And you know, there are tons of different types of content out there. What made you choose to focus on audio podcast?
0: Well, I knew that I wanted to really produce a large quantity of podcasts, and video has its issues where there is a lot more that goes into it as far as the production of it and having to have the interviewee on in the other end be able to have that really good connection and video quality. And I just knew that most people were going to be consuming my content, driving in their car on the way to work exercising, going for their jog or walking their dog. So I just knew that audio was the way that I wanted to take Entrepreneur on Fire.
1: Okay, that sounds great. You know, I think we all have maybe a preferred type of content ourselves as well to consume, you know, and do you find yourself listening to a lot of audio podcasts yourself?
0: Absolutely. I work out every single day and it's pretty cold here in Maine, so I'm no longer taking those long runs. But I have a couple DVDs that I watch as far as Insanity or P90X, and while I'm working out to those, I have my headphones on and I'm listening to podcasts every single time.
1: Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, you know, in the when I introduced you, I mentioned that your podcast is different in that it's every day, Monday through Friday. What made you decide to do a podcast every day of the week instead of, like some people who podcast, they only do maybe one a week one every other week, or maybe even just once in a blue moon sporadically? What made you decide to uh, do one every day?
0: No, that's a great question. And it's a simple answer for me because it's the exact niche that I wanted to fill. I was that person that was driving to work every single day, listening to podcasts or going on runs every single day, consuming all of this content. And when there was podcasts that were out there that I truly loved, but were only producing one podcast a week, one podcast every two weeks. I was going through just years of their content in a couple short months. And so I was like, man, there's definitely a market out there for people like me that commute to work every day, that exercise every day, that walk their dog, that consume a lot of content, that would just love to have a fresh podcast waiting for them every single day when they wake up, because that's what I want. So I set out to create it. And that was where Entrepreneur on Fire was born.
1: Well, and that makes a lot of sense, because recognizing a need that you were not seeing anyone else fill, and you decided to fill that need. So that's a great way to go about it. But you know, the question I have for you is, has it been difficult to keep up with that schedule to publish one every single day? And do you ever regret making such a huge commitment?
0: I don't regret it whatsoever. I'll answer that part of your question first, Rebecca, because I truly feel like that is why Entrepreneur on Fire has had such a massive success, is because I'm sticking to that schedule and being extremely consistent, and the listeners of Entrepreneur on Fire know they can count on a new episode being released every single day, and that, of course, helps my download numbers with iTunes, which is the reason why I was the number one ranked business podcast In iTunes new and noteworthy for eight straight weeks, which is the longest you can be in the new and noteworthy section. And now I'm in the top 20 of the what's hot section for iTunes already as a podcast that just launched in September. That is quite a feat. And I really owe it all to being consistent with a large number of podcasts. And I really am going to keep that up because that's one thing that I want to keep doing is stay true to that consistency and just being a military guy, Rebecca, I'm really able to set a discipline schedule. I do eight interviews every single Monday. It's a lot of work on Mondays, believe me, but it really gives me the rest of the week to do what else needs to be done to keep Entrepreneur on Fire running. And it's my full-time job. It's my full-time passion.
1: I can imagine that that takes a ton of time. And Just give me really quickly a little rundown of what your week looks like. You mentioned that on Monday you record all day. What does the rest of the week look like?
0: It's a pretty busy week. I am 100% into Entrepreneur on Fire. It consumes all of my time. It truly does. So I do eight interviews every single Monday. I spend most of Tuesdays editing those interviews adding the intro, adding the outro, uploading it to my media host so they're ready to go. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays is all about marketing. I have three full-time virtual assistants. Um, Each one of them are from the Philippines and they work a full 40 hour week schedule for me. So I'm supervising them. One just does solely the transcripts for each podcast, which is a full-time job, believe me. Mm -hmm. One runs the social media platform, and then the other one does all my admin and design work. So I'm supervising all of them. I'm doing great interviews like this. I was just on Voice of America yesterday, which is a nationally syndicated radio show. So I'm doing my share of interviews as well and being featured in a lot of different blog posts and really just focusing Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the marketing aspects of Entrepreneur on Fire.
1: Wow, well that's really exciting and inspiring to me because I tend to be motivated and work hard but then I come across people like you and I go, oh, "Okay, maybe I could work a little harder <laughs> than I already am." So <laughs> so I appreciate that. But you know, one thing that really struck me John when I started listening to your podcast was the number of big-name people you had on the show right from the very beginning. And I was just wondering how you managed to do that when, at that time, your podcast did not yet have a proven track record.
0: Basically, I really started building this platform back in June. That was when the idea was hatched. I started putting the wheels into motion at that time. And so it was really over the entire summer of 2012 that I was reaching out to people with this very passionate email and this, basically this plea to jump on board and to join me in what I was doing. And my main, my main message and my main success was you need to start small. And I just reached out to some of the not so huge bloggers that were in the world and really just said, hey, this is what I'm looking to do. And then some other entrepreneurs in different industries that weren't necessarily huge, but were doing great things and Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine that were just starting out. And I said, this is what I'm doing. This is where I want to start. And then once I started getting those initial names in, I was able to then use that as a building block and then reach out to people, maybe a level or two levels above them and say, hey, I have so-and-so and and -and so-and-so that have already interviewed an Entrepreneur on Fire and I'm looking to continue to do this and have 40 before I actually launch in September. Will you be part of my Power 20? of September, my first 20 to be launched and by really building from the bottom and just continuing to use that momentum and go forward, it's allowed me to get to the point where I am now where I've landed interviews with people like Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, Barbara Corcoran of the Shark Tank, Susie Orman, people that really are at the top level and once I've locked in those names, which I have, really the sky's the limit.
1: So with somebody, let's say they're just starting their blog or they're just starting a podcast and they want to interview people, is that how you would recommend that they go about it, that they just start with a circle of people that they know? Or what would be the best advice that you would give to somebody who basically has no connections and is just starting off?
0: Well, let's take you as an example, Rebecca. I mean, I'm not a huge deal at all. However, I have connections to a lot of people who I've interviewed because of my interview. So you reaching out to me and interviewing me was a great first step for you because now you have me as an interviewee and as a resource to say, hey, now I've interviewed John Dumas. So now if you go to Pat Flynn and you go to David Risley, and you go to Amy Porterfield, who obviously is a slam dunk for you having worked closely with her, but people like that and say, hey, I've just done an interview with John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and he recommended I reach out to you. So it's really just a building block. Reach out to your inner circle and then really use that to build forward.
1: Yeah, I know that's absolutely true. Uh, because when you first reached out to Amy Porterfield, that email actually landed to me. And I took a look at it, and I remember at that time, I didn't know you, but I, if I recall correctly, you mentioned some other interviews you had lined up, and they were people whose names I recognized, and I was like, hmm, you know, this sounds interesting. I don't know who John is, but he's obviously doing something right and connected with the right people. And so your email asking Amy for an interview Made it past me. And a lot of them <laughs> that come in don't make it past You're me. You're the
0: gatekeeper, right? <laughs> I,
1: I am. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's it very much like there can be guilt by association, but there can also be credibility by association.
0: It's all about the social proof, Rebecca, because that's exactly what the situation is, is that I was able to reach out to Amy through you and say, listen, I've done interviews with Pat Flynn, with Derek Halpern, people who she's legitimately friends with because they've been in conferences together and spoke together. And because of that, I was able to get through you, the gatekeeper. And when it landed on Amy's desk, she was able to look at it and say, okay, this is probably worth 20, 30 minutes of my time.
1: Yep, exactly. That's exactly how it works. So that's great advice is, you know, to use whatever connections that you have and then build from there. So at the time of this interview, how many podcast episodes have you produced?
0: So, I have officially produced as of yesterday. I just interviewed David Seitman Garland from Rise to the Top, which was a great interview because, again, he's an interviewer. He has his own podcast at Rise to the Top and he's had it for a number of years. So, it was fun being the interview for him and having him be the interviewee. So, that was number 110. Wow. I've actually aired 55 as of tomorrow. Andrew Warner with Mixer G goes live. That will be number 55, and those will all have been live. But obviously, I'm ahead of the game because especially with the holidays coming up, I know that a lot of people are spending time with family. So I wanted to have a lot in the bank with a daily show having five produce a week. I wanted to have a good buffer.
1: So then your buffer is what, roughly eight or 10 weeks that you work in advance?
0: I'd say my buffer is a little bigger now than it will be consistently just because of the holidays. But come this January when we're facing a new year, I'll probably keep that buffered about one month. I think that's
1: a great idea because that way when life throws you a curveball and, you know, you never know when something might happen that just takes a lot of your time or, you know, there's illness or things like that. So,
0: Yeah, look at Hurricane Sandy. I mean, you know, people oh, yeah. that were prepared for that, that were, you know, virtual workers were able to make it through it, but other people got hammered because they just weren't prepared.
1: Exactly. So uh, that makes me feel a little better too because I'm actually – Recording this, as you know, the end of November, and you'll be probably about my fourth or fifth uh, podcast episode. And I'm not launching until the first week of January. So I'm kind of taking that same approach of working a little bit in advance. And I know that'll give me a lot of peace of mind for sure.
0: That's a smart move. I totally agree with that. And that's exactly what I did. I started building my platform in June. And I spent three months just really working at it and building that buffer and then launching September 20th.
1: Right. Good idea. So that makes me feel good that I'm kind of following in the footsteps of one of those people who has managed to keep going uh, consistently for a long period of time, which a lot of people don't.
0: Ten's a huge number for people. Um, I'm in a very elite podcast mastermind with Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. and. Mm. He does a lot of great things over there, podcasting A to Z, this podcasting mastermind that I'm involved with. And most podcasts that launch don't make it to number 10. Number 50 is a huge number. And number 100 is a century mark, which is usually unheard of for most podcasts. And again, I launched September 20th, and I'm already there. So it just shows you what a little bit of consistency and determination can take you.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Okay, now, out of all of those interviews that you've done, which ones, or you can say more than one if you'd like, stands out as being the most memorable and why?
0: Well, my interview with Seth Godin was pretty memorable because it was really probably the only interview of the full 110 that I was very nervous to do because I knew Seth Godin was such a big name and I knew I was only going to have this one chance with him And he's kind of the person. You just really don't know how he's going to react to questions. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to get through the interview. And it was kind of funny because it was one of my more recent interviews. So I had probably already done over 90 interviews by the time I interviewed Seth Godin. So I was a much, much better interviewer at that time than I was for some of my earlier interviews. But I really feel like I reverted back to my earlier John Dumas while I was interviewing because I was just so nervous That I wasn't really able to have that free flow of conversation that I've really kind of been able to achieve from episodes 50 or 60 onwards. And it's kind of funny because I have a very open audience and a very open listener base. And I got some emails from people saying, John, great interview with Seth Godin. Man, you could tell you were nervous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess when people listen to you every day, They get to know you. I mean, you know, even if they've never met you, they get to know you. So they're going to hear that, you know, little something different in your voice or just the way that you're acting and figure out, ooh, I can tell John's
0: nervous. Yeah. Let me give some unsolicited advice, uh, Rebecca, because I think this would be very valuable. A lot of people don't start their podcast because they're like, man, I'm not a broadcaster. I don't have any experience talking into a microphone or, or hosting a web show or whatever you want to call it. And guess what? I didn't either. I started from ground zero. The first person I interviewed was my first time I had ever interviewed anybody. And that is the key. You just need to start. The best time to start is 20 years ago, the the second best time to start is today, (laughs) literally. And I just started and I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to be that good at first, but I'm hopefully going to improve. And I absolutely improved. And the feedback that I get from my audience literally is John. We've really enjoyed watching your journey as a host. We like going back to the early ones and seeing how rough around the edges you were and seeing how you've progressed every 10 episodes or so because we feel like we're on the journey with you. So, you know, if I had just waited until I was good, I never would have started because I'll never really be that good. It's just something I'm passionate about doing. And number two, they really are able to relate and resonate with the journey that I went through. So just like me, Rebecca, you're doing great. You just need to start and you're going to start feeling better every episode you do. And your audience is going to appreciate that and they're going to resonate it. They really will.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And while you were speaking, I was just thinking, yep, yep, that's so true because I just kind of decided, I'm just going to do this, you know, and knowing I'm not that great or whatever, but knowing that the only way that I'll get good is just by doing it. And so, you know, kind of having to push that insecurity or self-consciousness or whatever aside and just get out there and do it. And that's really the only way that people learn how to do anything.
0: I mean, you've already improved on this interview from the beginning to right now. It's incredible.
1: Oh, well, thank you. That's cool. (laughs) I didn't really notice, so I'm glad you did.
0: Absolutely.
1: Anyway, you know, you obviously have a ton of experience interviewing people, more so than anyone else that I can think of off the top of my head, um, at least the people that I'm rubbing shoulders with. Yep. So through all that process, what do you feel that you've learned that are keys to a successful interview?
0: Well, I really believe there's a number of keys to a successful interview. And one of them is really set the expectations of the interviewee. You want them to know what they're going to be getting into. So you definitely want to send them a flow of the interview. You want them to have the questions beforehand. You did a great job of this. I had the questions in front of me, so I know you know, probably what you're going to be going to next, but I have a good feel about what the interview is going to be about. I do the same thing with all of my interviewees, so they have a great expectation and they know what the interview is going to be about. So they're not just giving some haphazard answer. They're really being able to give the right, true, thought out answer, which is always is the best one. Another one is try to make it conversational. I mean, sometimes you're going to go off on these tangents. And when I was first interviewing people at Entrepreneur on Fire, I would always try to cut them back and bring them back to my very rigid schedule that I thought that I needed to stick with. And through feedback and just through me growing as an interviewer, I realized that that's not the best way to do it. Sometimes tangents are really where the valuable nuggets are found. And so if something happens and you get off topic, just kind of go with it. You can always get back on topic if you want to, if you need to, but just kind of let it be conversational, let it flow and let the interviewee talk. I mean, this is about them. When you're interviewing somebody, it's about them. It's about their story. It's about what they can bring to your audience. So Those are some key things I would really focus on.
1: Okay. Well, with that in mind, I've noticed that with your podcast, you use the same basic format and more or less the same questions with each person. What have you found are the advantages and are there any disadvantages to doing it that way?
0: Well, I'll start with the advantages. I think what the advantages are is that for me as an interview. especially starting off, I was able to be very comfortable doing a lot of interviews right away because I knew the format. I understood it. It was kind of a lifeline that I could cling to when things kind of got a little nerve-wracking for me when I was doing so many interviews every single day, every single week with so many big names. I was really able to kind of cling to that if I needed to. A lot of the listeners really know what they're going to get now when they press the play button. They know that when they turn Entrepreneur on Fire on, they're going to get an awesome entrepreneur, a successful and inspiring entrepreneur, and they're going to be able to listen to their journey. They're going to hear a failure and how somebody overcame that failure. They're going to hear an aha moment and how they over and how they turn that aha moment into success. Then they're going to hear about the current passions that they have and then their vision for the future. And then they're going to get to hear some great nuggets of information in the lightning round. So people know what they're going to get when they press play on Entrepreneur on Fire.
1: Well, and I think that's really a good point, too, is that when you ask these same questions, everyone is going to answer them differently, which means there's not one right answer to that question. And I think that's an awesome lesson in and of itself. You know, like, what's the best tip or whatever, everyone's going to have a different best tip that they give or what have you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Alrighty. Well, you know, to wrap up, I would just love it if you would share the number one piece of advice that you'd give to someone who wants to start a podcast specifically. And then while you're at it, go ahead and give yourself a plug.
0: The biggest piece of advice I can say is literally just start. Starting a podcast, there are definitely a lot of steps to it, but the first step is just recording that first audio. Hit the red button, record something, Talking to a microphone, see what comes out, and I guess this is just an easy kind of transition to a plug is that I've gotten so much feedback from people that just say, John, I want to start a podcast. I don't know where to start. I know it'd be great for my business, great for my niche. Because of that, I partnered up with Ryan Lee of Ryan Lee Marketing, and we've created podplatform.com which is just this amazing service where anybody can just literally record an MP3, like this MP3 that we're recording right now, Rebecca. If you were right. absolutely clueless about how about what needed to happen next, which I know you're not, but there are a lot of steps that have to come after this is recorded to make this an actual podcast and get it out to the world through iTunes, through Stitcher Radio, you would just send my team that I've created here at Entrepreneur Fire, at Pod Platform, this mp3 and we would literally do the rest so all you need to do is send pod platform your mp3 we take that mp3 and we do everything else needs to be done we upload the artwork we format the mp3 we upload it to our private server to host the media file we submit it to all the major directories and then we send you back the direct download link to put on your website so it really takes away any excuse people have of, I don't have the time, I don't have the knowledge. It's an easy turnkey solution. It makes podcasting incredibly simple.
1: Wow, that is awesome because you're right. So often people are just intimidated by the process, even though once you learn it, it's not hard, but the learning part of it can be a little bit tricky.
0: It can so, be. And that's the major thing is a lot of people have their own businesses. They're running entrepreneurial businesses. They just don't have the time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, John, this has been great, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today and share your insights about podcasting.
0: Absolutely, Rebecca. And just to all the audience out there, prepare to ignite.
1: Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com. If you'd like to submit your own question, go to eofire.com, subscribe to Fire Nation, and prepare to ignite.